0: And welcome to a Hogmanay edition of Stories of Scotland. I'm Annie and I'm feeling festive with my family in the north of Scotland. And I'm
1: Jenny with the Clutie Dumpling Goblins in the central belt. Also known as my family.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that the Clutie Dumpling Goblins heard your cry for Clutie Dumplings on the podcast and brought you your pudding this year that's a really beautiful result right there
1: oh yeah and hopefully every year forevermore because my dad managed to source some clutty dumpling in paisley and so i got it in my stocking
0: (laughs) that's a very dense stocking filler isn't it (laughs) yeah there wasn't
1: much room for satsumas in there they were really wedged in the top
0: Today, we've got a strange, short, haunted Hogmanay episode. (laughs) This ghastly and ghostly episode stemmed from us finding lots of spectral, slightly paranormal stories happening around Hogmanay, or what the rest of the world might be calling New Year's Eve.
1: The spooky stories that we've got for you are weird little tales, I'll be honest. I was hoping we'd find a tale that is akin to Charles Dickens's famous A Christmas Carol, where all the ghosts team up and encourage the main character to become a better person. But um, the old Scottish tales don't quite run on the same moral tracks as the well-crafted Victorian tales. Unfortunately, the ghosts in these stories aren't forces for festive joy. Rather... They're more like shadows of the past, echoing a little louder each Hogmanay, reminding us that we are never too far from the mysterious other world, no matter how many Satsumas are squished in our stockings.
0: Oh no, Jenny, it's the ghosts of the squished Satsuma's past. So, shall we start <laughs> with your story? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, let's. For this story, we're heading north. To the far northwest corner of the main island of Orkney. Here the Loch of Boardhouse lies. And by the shores of this loch stands an ancient stone. An ancient and spooky stone.
0: Oh Jenny, spooky stones are right up your glen.
1: Oh yes they are. And this stone is also big into hiking and it has great calves. Uh, But there is a side to this stone that is shrouded in tragedy and mystery. And I'll be honest, I'm less into that. I like a rock that tells it as it is. But (laughs) no... But nevertheless, the story of this stone is a fascinating one. It's called the Weebin Stone and it stands almost four metres high in a field about 70 metres from the shores of the Loch. It's not a part of any other standing stone formation It is a lone giant. Over the millennia, a jacket of lichen has grown round its shoulders. And while the reason that this stone was initially raised is lost, it still commands an impressive presence all these years later. One reason for this is its unusual shape. The stone has an odd curve to it, as if it's a giant frozen in motion, forever moving towards the loch. And this is no coincidence, for remember, this is a spooky stone, and on one particular night of the year, its powers are revealed. As calls of Happy New Year ring out into the crisp winter air from warm farmhouses, it is said that a deep Earthy power can be felt emanating from the rolling, grassy landscape surrounding the dark waters of the Loch. Those attuned to the other world say it is as if something ancient and powerful is awakening. Those who are not attuned say it's like a tractor stuck in the mud. Either way, something big is happening. For each year, as the bells of a new year toll on Hogmanay, the weebin stone awakes from its centuries-long slumber. As the clock strikes midnight, the mysterious giant pulls itself from its deep foundations of earth and begins moving towards the loch of Board House. With slow purpose, The wee stone journeys all the way to the dark shoreline. Once there, it kneels solemnly. As the soft moonlight illuminates its ancient form, it gracefully dips its head into the gently lapping waters of the loch, as if paying reverence to some unknown mystical force that only stone understands. After this pilgrimage to the shore, the stone then returns to its eternal resting place and is petrified once more, looking over the broad landscape and to the new year ahead. Why the stain carries out this annual practice, we do not know. Is it a cleansing ritual? A symbolic gesture made in preparation for the year to come? Or a thanks to the year that has passed? Is it an ominous sign? Is this the soul of a long-dead Orcadian, eternally tied to this place for long-forgotten reasons? Or is the stone a petrified giant, cursed to forever live in this cycle of slumber, waking only to dunk its noggin in the freezing loch water?
0: I mean, Jenny, if you dunked your face in freezing loch water once a year... You'd be washing your face a whole extra time every year. <laughs> it is, yeah,
1: but I'm not, I'm not great with the brain freeze of dunking my head in a lock. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever the reason is, we will never know. I like to think it's something more wholesome than a curse, but if truth be told, Annie, there is a very sinister side to this mighty stone's annual awakening.
0: Ooh, what could it be, Jenny? It sounds terrifying. Oh, it is, Annie. Because you see, although all who live locally know
1: that the stone is very punctual in its midwinter march, none have actually witnessed quite how it moves. For as well as knowing all about its New Year's ritual, the local folk know that trying to catch it in the act is very dangerous business indeed. Many stories swirl around this stone. But perhaps the best known is of a young Glaswegian fellow who was visiting friends in Orkney over New Year's. Having heard the story of the stone, he decided that he was going to attempt to watch it and discern exactly how it was getting to the loch and back. Did it grind its way through the soil and leave a deep trench in its wake? Were there nimble little legs hidden under the earth, ready to spring out and carry the stone on its way? Or perhaps it defied gravity and floated to the shore? The Glaswegian was determined to find out. And so, instead of staying indoors and celebrating Hogmanay with his friends, he snuck out of the house and went to watch the stone. As the new year approached, he found himself increasingly nervous. Something in the depth of his belly was unsettling him, And soon this anxiousness turned to fear. The young man began pacing, trying to release some of this inexplicable panic. But to his horror, as his watch ticked on to midnight, he realised that he had paced right into the path of the great stone. And as he looked from the loch on his left to the stone on his right, he thought he saw some movement in the darkness... But alas, this was the last that he saw, for right at this moment he lost all consciousness and fell into the dark unknown. Luckily for our Glaswegian chap, his friends set out looking for him at first light, and in the cold grey morning of the new year they found him, lying unconscious in the dewy grass, just off to the side of the stone's path. He eventually came round, But, to his friend's disappointment, he couldn't confirm if he had actually been run over by the monolith on the move or if he'd worked himself into such a panic that he'd passed out. We've all been there. (laughs) Either way, he was really quite shaken by the experience, but happy that he lived to tell the tale. However, not all were so lucky. One wet and stormy December saw a catastrophic shipwreck on the rugged coast of Orkney. All on board were killed, except one. This young sailor managed to make his way to the shore at Birsey, where a woman and her children found him and brought him into their home. The small community came together, and everyone pitched in to patch him up and nurse him back to health. As Hogmanay approached... The sailor was well enough to move into a wee cottage near the shore of the Loch of Boardhouse. From his window he could see the wee bin stain, and because of this, many told him its tale. They spoke of its journey, and warned the young man that he'd best leave the monolith to its annual pilgrimage in peace. But our shipwrecked sailor thought the stories of the stone's New Year Dip to be a load of clutty dumpling goblin droppings. (laughs) (laughs) And when Hogmanay night came, he ignored the many warnings and resolved to prove the locals wrong and discredit their ancient knowledge and understanding of the stone.
0: Oh dear me, what a silly sailor.
1: What a silly sailor indeed. When the night closed in, he made his way over to the tall stone. But instead of waiting by it, he decided it would be best to wait atop it. And so he scrambled up the sides of the stone onto the top and made himself comfortable. It was, however, to be the last thing he ever did. For when the sun rose the next day, it did so upon the corpse of the young sailor. Those who found him said it was as if the stone had steamrolled right over the top of him as it made its way to the loch and back. The tale of the foolish sailor is not the only death that swirls around the stain, and so it is known throughout Orkney that the wee bin stain leaves no witnesses to its lonely journey. It is a secret held between the stone and the loch, ...that no human can be privy to. The journey is still happening to this day... ...but it is as much of a mystery as it always has been.
0: The mystery of the murdering stone. <laughs> it sounds like an Agatha Christie, doesn't it? <laughs> well, perhaps this stone is just ahead of the trend... ...of going wild swimming on New Year's Day. I mean, pff, your guess is as good as any, Annie... It could be an
1: ancient trendsetter that will quite literally kill for the hit of cleansing rejuvenation that ensures its year of standing still gets off to a good
0: start. Whatever it could be, some otherworldly force means that this stone supposedly moves every year and it's not going to let some pesky human being get in its way.
1: Standing stone, more like serial killer stone, am I right?
0: (laughs) You're right, Jenny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Annie, do you have a tale of Hogmanay
0: haunting for us? Yes, I do, Jenny.
1: Ooh, yes, let's go.
0: This story takes place at Bren Bridge. Now, I got the story from an oral history that was recorded in South Uist, so I'm assuming we're over on the Western Isles. Though, controversially, there is a place called Roybridge in Lochaber that's spelt the same as the Gaelic for the Brown bridge. Ooh, okay. But for me, I'm pretty certain we're out on the islands. There used to be a much-anticipated gathering each year to celebrate Yuletide and Hogmanay. Now the local folk would all come together and raise money for the festivities they would have. They would share everything. The food, the wine, the whiskey, the music. But once this money was collected, someone had to take charge of the cash and make the preparations for the party. And they would allocate the most important of these party preparation tasks to Wild Alistair, who was a man of great renown. Each year, he was entrusted with collecting the whiskey for the Hogmanay party. He took great pleasure in ensuring everyone could partake in revelry at the Brownbridge on this special occasion. And so when Hogmanay came around, wild alistair with his money bag full arrived at brown with his trusty steed it was a hardy wee pony named wilma <laughs> with him he carried a great staff of heavy wood and this stick would aid his passage throughout the night its length provided support for him as he made his way along the darkened path like gandalf and its weight ensured that no foe would dare follow in his wake. No one would dare try to ambush Wild Alistair. Now, our Wild Alistair was on a noble quest, a quest to the Honorable House of Whiskey, or as we may call it, the local pub. When Wild Alistair arrived at the pub, he was met with merriment and laughter as he joined his jolly companions for a mid-quest dram, or perhaps two. But no amount of good-natured drinking could ever deter or distract Wild Alistair from his sacred mission. He had not forgotten his duty to procure the whisky for the Hogmanay party that very same night, and thus he bade his tavern comrades Farewell, farewell, one and all. He hastily gathered his load of whiskey and fixed it atop his noble, sturdy pony before mounting Wee Wilma himself. Off he trotted on Wilma's noble hoofs back along the dark path towards the Brown Bridge. However, as they approached the bridge, their progress was halted all of a sudden. We Wilma stopped She froze, and she refused to cross. Alistair tried gently coaxing her, but she would not budge. She knew something ahead, something wasn't right. Alistair stroked her mane reassuringly, whispering sweet words into her beautiful hairy ear. He attempted once more to persuade her onward over the bridge, but still... Wilma's hoofs remained planted in the ground. She would not yield. It was clear that a delay was inevitable. Wild Alistair peered through the darkness ahead, straining to discern what only his pony could see. Squinting in the twilight, he made out the shape of a figure perched at the far end of the bridge. Alistair and Wilma were not alone. Undaunted by this obstacle, he bellowed for the man to move or risk being walloped with his stick. To ensure that the man got the message, Wild Alistair waved his stick in the way that you would imagine someone named Wild Alistair would wave a stick, with less grace than Gandalf. (laughs) When no response came forth from the seated figure, Alistair felt a red-hot rage bubble up inside him. This man was standing in the way of the whole village's party. But still, Wilma would not move. Alistair was protective of his noble pony. He would not put up with her being intimidated in such a way. He roared that he would blow out the man's brains with his stick if he did not clear the bridge post-haste. But, as before, there was no response, and the shadowy man did not move. And so, Wild Alistair jumped down from Wilma, venturing forth upon the bridge with his heavy wooden weapon. Yet, as fate would have it, as Wild Alistair swung to hit the mysterious figure with his stick, it was actually him himself who received a lashing blow. It was so hard as though it was from an iron rod. Alistair went to hit the figure on the back and instead felt an incredible pain upon his own back. But the figure had not even moved from his sitting position. And then the stranger, though appearing still and unmoving, delivered a painful blow after painful blow to poor Alistair. Doubled over, and crying out in pain, Wild Alistair looked up and saw the dark figure was rising up, as though a great force was supporting him from beneath. There the figure stood, sure of foot and solid as stone, ready for battle. Wild Alistair could see his face now, and it was grim and determined, cold and hard, like a war-trained warrior from days of old. This enemy stood ready to fight, as though he had won a thousand battles before. And he was ready to win once more. The warrior's form struck fear into Alistair's heart, which he could feel beating so hard. He knew not how to stand against him. He knew then that he would never win against this enemy and so Alistair retreated from this formidable foe, realising that no matter how bravely he would fight, he was no match for the mysterious man who had taken over the Brown Bridge. As he retreated, Alistair felt fresh blows land upon his body, and by the time he had gotten back to Wilma, he was in tremendous pain, he could not stand, he could not support his body, It took all of his effort just to breathe and to close his eyes. He collapsed on the road, unable to mount his noble pony. Oh, Wilma! Brave and sensible Wilma did not try to fight the unknown enemy. Instead, she returned home as fast as her little hoofs would take her, with the whiskey still atop her back that would never be delivered to that Hogmanay party. When Wild Alistair's wife heard her Clippingham clopping outside and saw that this pony had arrived without Wild Alistair, she fell into despair. She assumed that her husband must be dead and gone to abandon Wilma on Hogmanay Nights of All. Something terrible must have happened. He would never have allowed this dear wee pony carrying the whiskey for the Hogmanay dance to just wander off by itself. Where must he be? What must have happened? And so she gathers up all the folk from the nearby cottages and they set out to search for any news of Alistair's whereabouts. And they find him close to Brownbridge. He's crawling on his knees along the road. He is too weak to stand. And so the villagers, they took him home, where Alistair was bedridden for almost two solid weeks. And in all of that time, he told not another soul of the figure on the bridge. Though no one knew what hardships he had endured that Hogmanay night, Wild Alistair sensed that something so sinister from beyond this world lay at the root of his suffering. One night, Alistair was awoken from his slumber by the panicked bellows of cattle echoing throughout the bay. His wife turned to him, her eyes filled with worry, and she said, Oh God, Alistair! You must get up! One of our cows has escaped and is causing chaos amongst the herd. Torn between duty and comfort, Alistair hesitated. He had no desire to wrestle a wayward cow home in the middle of the night. But he smiled reassuringly at his wife and he told her to stay in bed and not to worry. Their animals were too docile to cause too much trouble. And then he himself got out of bed and went to check that the cows were all okay. He quickly threw on some clothes, put on his boots and ventured into the night. After a long search, Alistair eventually found the errant beast, yet it was not the peacefully minded cow he knew and loved. He had never seen a cow acting as this one was, it was snarling and kicking as though it had been possessed by the spirit of a wolf or a predator. He chased the beast and did his best to capture it, but again he lost this fight and after a blow from this wild cow's hind leg, Alistair was left lying on the ground, seeing the stars swimming above him. As the night drew on, Wild Alistair's wife grew worried again. He should have returned from the cows by now. Eventually, she too ventured into the night, and she soon found her husband's body lying listlessly in the mud. Though it took her much effort, and assistance from her oldest children, she dragged him back home and put him to bed. In his weakened state, Alistair revealed the secret of what had happened at the Bridge, and he admitted that he felt the same terrifying presence when he was wrestling with the cow. These two were connected, and he blamed the same evil force. Once recovered, he was left with a fear so powerful that it stopped him from leaving his home at all after the sunset. He no longer felt safe in the place he had called his home for his whole life. And so, in despair and with his family in tow, he reluctantly set off to America in search for a better life, free of whatever evil he had awoken that Hogmanay. In America... He bought a plot of land out in the middle of the forest it cost him all of his money but before he bought it he checked all the nearby streams to make sure none had bridges for he feared crossing any bridge at all ready for the challenge ahead he built a humble cottage amidst the vast wilderness a cottage for his whole family though poor Alistair remained undaunted as he spent whatever little money he had on this new venture on starting their lives in America. He fashioned a trail between the cottage and the edge of the forest so he could always find his way back home. His family loved this place, it was beautiful. Though, one night, as he was returning from clearing a patch of trees, a cold sense of terror seeped through to his bones and there straight ahead of him he saw a familiar dark figure leaning against a tree this is just what it is then the stranger declared and it would be easy for me to bestow upon thee the same pummeling this evening as i did at the brown bridge yet i shall not lay a finger on you tonight alistair The mysterious figure continued. Though you thought I would never cross the sea and come hither, though you did so yourself, my intentions were always to accompany you. I came here with you, and I will stay here with you. It would be wise for you to return now to whence you came from before, and then, and only then, I will cause thee no further distress. Proclaimed this ghost. You will never know my name. Terrified, confused, baffled, so scared, so disillusioned, Alistair ran back to his cabin and he told his family to pack everything up as quickly as they could. Within days, Wild Alistair was back on a boat to his native Scotland. When he finally arrived back at Brownbridge, he went home but it was no longer there. He found only a desolate ruin of what had once been his beloved craft. His heart was heavy with grief, and the people of his old village could not help but pity him. In their kindness and generosity, they found ways to show compassion for Alistair's plight. Any person who ever bought something from Alistair would find a way to give it back to him, so that he would not be left destitute. Alistair and his family, they rebuilt their croft, but never once again did they cross the Brine Bridge. And the locals, before Wild Alistair had been to America and then returned, had spoken of the ghost and then faced his fears, well, they had called him Wild Alistair. But now, everyone knew him by one name. Haunted Alistair. Alistair of the Ghost. And that's what happened to Haunted Alistair on Hogmanay. So it is. Wow.
1: Her Haunted Alistair, this is quite an epic story. He really couldn't catch a break, could he? Just being haunted by a terrifying ghost, even when he moved thousands of miles away. I think it's interesting that it takes place on Hogmanay, which is sort of a, a pivotal moment in time, at the end of an old year and the start of a new one. I think it's highlighting the danger of liminal times and spaces. And what better warning of these times than the tale of crossing the brown bridge into the new year? And lo, there happens to be an incredibly violent ancient warrior ghost waiting to beat you up, steal your whiskey, set a coup on you and chase you out the country. And then chase you back again. I don't know. It's a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a really sad story, but I find this story totally intriguing. It's got so many layers to it. About leaving somewhere in pain and then returning with the same pain. About never escaping from it. About being chased by ghosts of your past. Forget skeletons in the closet. Here we've got poltergeists in the forest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This story is apparently about a man named Alistair McIntyre. So if we've got any McIntyres out there listening, be cautious on bridges on Hogmanay. There may be a violent ghost waiting to chase you around the world.
0: And on that note, myself and Jenny hope you have a much better Hogmanay than any of these stories that we've mentioned tonight. (laughs) We hope you have minimal hauntings and... Mm. Maximum merriment (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening To our wee show throughout the year Wherever you are in the world We wish you a wonderful Hogmanay If you'd like to
1: help support us We independent podcasters In the far north of Scotland Then you can head over to our Patreon You can also find us on all the social medias And if you're feeling extra generous You can give us a 5 star rating And leave a wee review until next year, Slanjava.
0: Slanjava.